Hello, everyone. We are live. Welcome to Serious and Sober. Today, we have Wesley Cunningham Kloss, or maybe just Wes, depending on how many syllables you want to say. <laughs> um, he is he is a beloved friend, roommate. I'm not writing a eulogy. He is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we've lived together for like a year. We work together. I know. I, as soon as I started, I'm like, like, oh, beloved Wesley, and who is alive? Who's very much alive, despite um, the appearance. <laughs> anyway, I'll go back to my professional introduction. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Um, today we are here with with West Cunningham, and we are going to be discussing linguistics, language, and the impact that they have on the trans community as well as our own trans journeys. So um, as I mentioned in my eulogy, Wes is a witch and um, I also, um, I'm babbling, I'm exploring, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, um, so we both, we both practice tarot. So I decided that was a good connection to do for the questions. So I have the um, major arcana cards and we are going to shuffle them and each card represents a question and I tried to connect the meaning to the card to the question as best I could. Sometimes I really stretch. So if you want to question me, feel free. I will try to explain my way out of it. <laughs> anyway, Wes, hi. Hello. <laughs> it's weird that like we're roommates and yet you're not here. I know. Yeah. Um, we, we Let's talk about that. Because like uh, last week I was... Um, where I am now with Rebecca Banky was my guest from last week, and that's because I am isolating there because Wes went back to work, and work is scary. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that scary. No one was there, but like I, I know that. I just oh. <laughs> the more annoying part is that I have to walk to work, which well I don't have to. I could take transit, but I am too paranoid to take transit. Yeah, honestly, I. I, I was literally brainstorming ways. I'm like, maybe there's a way I still can drive west to work. And I'm like, that's breaking ice. <laughs> that's really why I'm here. And I'm in Hamilton and you're in Oakville, which is just, that would be yeah. How much would you appreciate me if I did that for you? I mean, I'd probably just be like, why are you doing this? This is not worth it. This is forcing me to like get out of the house because I clearly am not going anywhere else ever. So the, the one hour walk to and from work is like my only interaction with the outside world ever again at this point. All right, well then, I'm happy to help. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. All right, so um, let's dive in, shall we? So um, we are going to, the, the way that our game is working is I'm going to shuffle the cards and lay them out. The card layout that I'm using is the transition or change layout. <laughs> Of course. It's like, what else would I do? <laughs> <laughs> and to begin, we are going to discuss the fool. Oh, I can see him. You can see him all right? Okay, good. I can see him all, all right. Day. So um, the fool card is is a represent, actually, Wes, do you, wanna, do you want to do the definitions of the card? <laughs> Sure, it's like easy definitions, but the fool is essentially the start of a new journey. 
So it's it's the beginning of a new adventure. Uh, a lot of people see that as like, oh, he's like an idiot. But the fool sort of represents the level of innocence that you have at the beginning of any journey, at the beginning of any study, at the beginning of any adventure that you go on. It's just like you're completely on. You're going into the unknown, like the the frozen zone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, the fool has a few questions attached to it because we want to start someone's journey. So this is going to be a moment very much for those who the idea of the trans identity is new to. So, Wes, to begin, what does it mean to be transgender? Oh gosh, uh, so to be trans, I mean, in its entirety, it just means that you, you, the gender that you identify with and, and feel most comfortable with doesn't coordinate with the gender that you've been told you were since birth. So any, any variant of that, if you're just like, if, if, if your birth sex is not the thing that you have also said that is your gender, which I'm going to get into the concept of a birth sex, which is also like incorrect kind of. But uh, it just means that you were told when you were born that like you're to this gender and then later on in your life, you're like, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, um, what is cisgender? This just means not trans. It's, it's, a, it's a Latin uh, prefix, cis and trans uh, are just Latin words. It means, uh, trans means on the other side of and cis means on the same side of. So it just means that you're continuing to stay where you are, what you were told versus uh, identifying with something else. Awesome. And what are pronouns? Uh, pronouns are, I mean, they're not, they're in use in like many, many different languages. Some languages don't even really have what we would consider pronouns, but pronouns are just any form that we use to uh, identify yourself or another person. Uh, so, or even in other things, like it is a pronoun. You can use uh, you, you is a pronoun, I is a pronoun. These are all sort of things in uh, the realm of uh, identifying yourself and other people in the world in a way that's not just a nameless, you know, references. Okay, awesome. And just to um, cover the basics, <laughs> I, I'm not even sure if this sentence is grammatically correct. So correct me. <laughs> What are linguistics? What, okay. what is linguistics? <laughs> it's all right. Linguistics is not the study of grammar, so it doesn't matter. So linguistics is never, uh, it doesn't, see, the thing is, this is actually a great example of linguistics. I know what you meant, right? So linguistics is the study of how we communicate uh, both through, through sounds, through writing, um, uh, even through things like sign language. It's just any type of, of study towards how we communicate with each other. And this has nothing to do with what is grammatically correct. It always has to do with what is like psychologically correct, I say. In linguistics, we talk about things called there's prescriptivists and descriptivists. And a prescriptivist would be something like an English major. It was interesting in university because I had a creative writing class and also my linguistics. So in one class, I'm being told like, this is correct grammar, this is the correct way to speak. But in another, it's like, no, it's, there's no real rules of what's correct. It's just, did you understand what they said? And is this common well, like language, essentially? Yeah, I, um, this is an ad-libbed question. I have been, um, I, I heard um, a, a few days ago, someone was discussing the aspect of um, proper grammar as a form of classism. Uh, it, it can be. It can also even be a, a form of, of racism in that a lot of different, like you'll, you'll have a lot of 
people are still calling it uh, African-American vernacular English, but it's not even a vernacular dialect. It's just African-American English. Uh, mm-hmm. Vernacular applies to a very specific type of language and African-American English actually is just, it's the dialect of English. It doesn't technically, is it, it isn't even technically a vernacular, but people will see that and they'll call it things like ghetto. It can be things like, you know, ratchet language or like incorrect. And, and it absolutely can be a form of classism and racism because it turns into this weird, well, I speak better than you, therefore I am more high class. It's, it's super prominent in, in England because you'll see in, in the United Kingdom, there's all these sort of variations of, of English that are all correct. They're all correct languages, but you'll have this weird hierarchy of class of people altering their accent based on like where they live and, and how rich they are. Yeah, that, that's something I, I learned in My Fair Lady, where there's like, just like, like a character is just like, I can call someone for, to a dialect for, like within three blocks. Like he just like is just like a master of language. That so checked that, out. I, I only remember the preview for My Fair Lady that was on my VHS of The Sound of Music. <laughs> I hope you know they're in that, that trailer. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I think at least the song that that line is in is in the trailer. So maybe you are just as aware as I am. I just remember the bad accent of like, all I want is it something somewhere. That is that from My Fair Lady? I think so. Um, confession, I haven't actually seen My Fair Lady. <laughs> it's probably not, I, the accents I saw were quite bad, so. Yeah, I, I've heard I've heard that about it, like because it's, it's a very like accent um, and dialect heavy show. So I've heard like like you have to be good to like do it pretty much because it yeah, with, sound. with Cockney accents, it just turns so quickly into like a mess if you don't know how to do that accent properly. It just you sound like a bad production of like Oliver Twist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, oh no. Yeah. yeah, there are so many accents that people will kind of like grab onto and do a variation of, and it's like 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 fake British accent is its own accent. Yeah, it's like people they I think it's like it's called BBC English in uh, where they that's like the British accent that people use in in like American TV when they just have to have a British accent they'll use BBC English. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And, and I've heard also, like, especially in the area where, like, like in southern Ontario, it's, um, like, a, a, a no-accent um, area because, or TV dialect. Yeah. there's no major area that's impacting how people sound because mm-hmm. the, the closest city is Toronto, which yeah. doesn't have a specific sound or accent. Yeah. So we just have to learn a lot of our dialect from television. And, like, I... Um, I have uh, my my therapist is from Alabama, and we had our first yeah. call the other day. Oh my goodness, I loved her accent, and she was so like like I hope you can understand me. And I'm just like I watched so much American television. <laughs> of course, I can understand your accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That would cheer me up. I wouldn't have anything to talk about though. I'd be like, well, now I'm fine. Shit. <laughs> it was such a nice call, but that's not why we're here. Let's. <laughs> like, I can talk about my therapy, but. Maybe, maybe therapy should be its own episode. I am always brainstorming. <laughs> <laughs> but let's begin. <laughs> All right. For my shuffle, let's see. Do I got that right? I think that. I think that's right. I'm going to. 
All right, so I'm just going to shuffle the cards. I'm gonna try and shuffle them in here so it at least looks visual. And Wes, I'm just gonna get you to tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. <laughs> For the love of God. One, <laughs> two, three, four, five. All right. The High Priestess. Ooh. Death. Yeah. Your favorite. Justice. Wheel of Fortune. And the Hanged Man. Ah. All righty. So. So the, the High Priestess is to represent um, secrets and mystery. So the question I have for you is without the language you had at the time, how do you think you would have handled your trans identity when you came out? Ooh, um, I don't know. I probably, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think I, I, I didn't become trans until I got the language to, to figure out what it was. Cause I'm someone who's quite, I, I'm not super uncomfortable with the, the feminine. I'm not bothered by uh, wearing dresses or shirts. I don't, uh, just cause it's like at this point, it's just not my style, but um, I, I always was fashionably interested in, in all the, the options. Uh, and I think I only realized I was trans once I had the language to be like, yeah, that's what you are. I think I would just be confused and miserable. <laughs> if I didn't. If I, didn't I knew I was like not comfortable with, with ladiness and, and womanhood. Um, when I was young, it was like, whatever, I'm just a kid. So I didn't really think about it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it didn't until I, I became an adult and, and especially getting, uh, like, I, I love, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a gay, I love men, but I never liked how men like me. So that was always a weird thing of being like, oh, I don't want to date guys. Am I, am I a lesbian? No, I don't like girls what's going on? So I just was like, guess I'm just asexual and aromantic and I just don't like anybody and whatever. And then I came out as trans and I was like, oh. Yeah. So I think I think language very much affects our identity. I think if, if we didn't have words to describe certain things, I don't think gender would even court. People just dress how they like. Because I, I, I might not even be miserable. I might just be comfortable with who I am and I wouldn't have to worry about gender. That's another option. Yeah, because you might not have the language to tell you you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like it's either there's no language to describe being different, but if there's no language to describe being the same either, it's just like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I, I like that perspective. I've, I've asked this question a few times on the show and everyone has had has had a completely different answer, which I love. It's becoming one of my favorite questions now. <laughs> and I, I really liked yours because it had a different twist. So I'm just having a general <laughs> appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So death. Boo 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 boo. I gotta love that skeleton. Mm -hmm. Since it's your favorite card, do you want to do the definition of death? Yeah, I mean death. I have a <laughs> I have a tattoo of death. I can't really. <laughs> uh, death is the card of transition. It's it's the card of of moving from one place to another. This is another card where people kind of associate it with with being something scary. People see death, and if they don't know much about tarot, they're like, oh no, that's bad. But 
death is is the symbology on it is the end of a battle and you see this skeleton on a horse riding away and it's just sort of like there's this chapter that has now been closed but it also means that something else is being open so i got this tattoo very shortly after i got uh my first shot of testosterone because i was like okay i'm now starting a new uh, journey, which was one year ago today, which I didn't realize until Facebook notified me about it. Which is amazing. Um, do you consider, um, do you have a anniversary? I don't. And that's what bothers me. I, I came out as trans at, I know that I did not identify as a cisgender person in university. So by 2012, I knew I wasn't like a cis girl. I identified as genderqueer. I don't think I ever came out about that because I just was like that with my friends and I was still okay with, with she, her pronouns. And then I came out as trans masculine in 2016. And then I have all these other dates. They have the, they have the date I changed my name. I have the date that I came out as gender queer. I have the date I came out as gender, uh, like trans masculine. And then I never came out as trans male Cause I just, it just kind of turned into that. Like I never was like, oh yes, I'm this. I think it's because, especially for a lot of trans men and I don't want to speak for all trans men, but um, trying to fit into male spaces is a lot more, um, it, I wouldn't, I, again, I, I don't know the trans woman experience, but I think that a lot more trans men tend to identify as non-binary or uh, trans masculine or like not a man, just because manhood is such this like statuesque thing to be that I know so many trans dudes that don't even like like being called men. And that's why we tend to rely on, on terms like trans dude and trans ma trans masculine. And cause it's like, and, and not that anyone who has those identities still is invalid. It's just a lot of, I find a lot more trans men have to go through this period of uh, slowly getting to the hill of man. I, I'm still not even there yet. Even though I identify as a man, I still don't feel like I'm uh, a man within men's spaces. Yeah, and I've had that conversation with non-binary people as well, where I've where when I've spoken with people who identify as non-binary who were assigned male, mm -hmm. they have um, said things like they just feel like the idea of a man isn't them, but mm -hmm. they know that they're not a woman. So yeah. and it's just like that. That's that's the non-binary deal. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like a lot. Of, I think manhood is scary, but I think that as trans men, uh, uh, like us uh, trans men, I think that it's it's our job kind of to redefine what what manhood means to us because you know I know so many people get caught up and they they get worried like oh well toxic masculinity and all this other shit and it's like well I'm worried about this and it's just like just figure out what you like about being a man and just do that. Yeah. And that's kind of the line that I've come to with my own gender identity, because for a while, when I first came out as non-binary, I was very into the idea of like erasing gender and mm -hmm. just like, like looking androgynous and confusing, which yeah. is fun, but not my, like, not me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a flamboyant, brightly colored person who enjoys makeup and doing my hair. And yes, those are things that are often attributed to femininity, but I don't attribute those to femininity. I attribute those to self-expression. So I don't know, suck it. Yeah. <laughs> your gender your gender is is your Pisces. <laughs> but, but I mean I, I actually I had a period of that too, similarly, where like I like look at how I dress now, right? And I have long hair. You can't really see it because it's up because it's hot, but um uh there's like 
you know, I had a period, I literally shaved my head down like bald, which I don't like, I, I think looks good on other people. It looked awful on me. I'm glad I did it though, because I think it's important for everyone to see what they look like with no hair. It's just a fun experience to be like, okay, this is what I look like, like just with my head. Yeah. But I shaved my head down. I only wore like really, really macho clothing. I didn't, I didn't have like earrings. I wouldn't wear makeup. I wouldn't wear any jewelry. Um, and I, and I look back at that time and I'm like, I hate the way that I was expressing myself. It was miserable. And on top of that, I was still getting misgendered. So it wasn't doing anything for me. So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, as, as trans people, we kind of, we go through a period where we're trying to like, it's the like trying your best to not get misgendered period. And then once you realize like, okay, I can either be miserable and dressing in ways uh, that are making me uncomfortable or, you know, starving myself or, or just like not doing things that I like to do to present a certain way, or I can just do what I want and, mm -hmm. and dress how I want and, and not really worry too much about what other people are fucking saying about me. Yeah, definitely. I, I've I've definitely um, come to that conclusion myself in my in my journey, and I it's like just what I hope for other people because it's not something that you can just straight up look at someone and just be like, "Hey, your obsession with passing is temporary, and you will eventually be more comfortable, and you're great." Like you can say that, but they won't listen. Kind of yeah. thing. Well, like, like, you know, say that. Validate your friends. Like, being misgendered sucks, and I think it's it's sometimes it's very much like straw in the camel's back thing. Like it just eventually one day it's like ugh, it just drives me nuts. But I think of my dad, who is who is a cis man, uh, to this day still gets mistaken for a woman on the phone and in drive-throughs. And and when he was younger, he had very long hair and was skinny and like quite androgynous. And would get comments like, who's that a girl or a guy, right? So I'm like, if my cis dad can be dealing with that long into his adulthood, it's like, I, I can deal with that. And I think that I can separate, you know, accepting being like, not everything is, is gonna, it's not always gonna be perfect. But I think that for trans people, the most important thing is, is to stop worrying about um, what, you know, Sh Sharon at Tim Hortons is saying about you and, and instead surrounding yourself by people who validate like, you and love you and, and, and want to celebrate you and your, and your gender. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, changing the people around you is something that does happen a lot when people begin to transition. And I've been discussing lately, like, like the importance of still keeping like your original support network, like of mm. cis people, because yeah. it stops you from like closing yourself into just a trans world. Yeah, and it lets you know that it's still okay, and it like sets up a safeguard and like a link to yeah. the world before and I think that's such an interesting way to look at it because it's like I would definitely feel very different about myself if my cis friends had abandoned me yeah like I'm 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 definitely lucky that like I was like you know I was already pretty surrounded by a lot of like LGBT people when I came out so it was like relatively easy for me I don't think I had many uh well i had a lot of cis friends but all of them were like something <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um i was like a magnet for trans people when i first moved to oakville like the first like 11 people i met were all trans and wow. like like i'm not kidding <laughs> and I, mean, I, just, uh, I i know people before they come out and then i, I I'm, I'm a magnet for like pre-transition trans people <laughs> 
I, I've been going through that lately as well. And I think it's like just um, when you make yourself a known, um, a known support system, people are going, or like at least someone who will understand, of course they're going to seek you out. Yeah. Because like as rough and rough an exterior as you have, um, <laughs> I, can, I can tell, um, I know your secret, Wes. You're not a dick. You're like you're not a dick, dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a dick to people who who don't deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> Give me one second. I'm gonna switch to internet. Okay. It's probably just pushed my. Okay. Now I'm now I'm switched to my regular internet. I can't have to keep going in and out of of this and data. Oh no. Because my I don't trust my internet to handle this. Am I frozen? You were frozen for a second when I said, oh, no. And then as soon as I finished the, oh, it was fine. So, you okay. can't, yeah, it was, a, it was a blip that my reaction was bigger than. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, death, now that we're done defining it. <laughs> the question attached to death for you is what is a, what is a, posi a recent positive change to language in regards to inclusivity? Oh, um, I mean, easy answer is the, I think that proper singular they was added to the dictionary, which I know some people were mad about, but it's just like, that's just how the dictionary works. If people are using a word, it gets put in the dic dictionary, like. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how it is. Um, I think, I think that that, like more people are using that. And, and I think that it's a good, change to be going towards because uh, i know a lot of people get like caught up on singular day but it's just like just let's get the word just calm down it's fine <laughs> yeah. so having that in the dictionary was definitely like a good um step towards making people like shut up about like well, it's not proper because everyone loves to do the whole it's not proper grammar argument towards it which it is proper grammar it's just it's complicated uh history behind that word <laughs> mm -hmm. And don't I'm, worry, I'm still worry. seeing that I'm frozen on my screen. Am I frozen on your screen? No, you're not. You're you're moving okay. and you're looking great. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm not frozen on, on the other end. Yeah, you're good. All right. So justice. Justice. Do you um, do you want to just do all the definitions? Because um. <laughs> I mean, justice is justice. That's an easy card. It's just oh, no. fair, fairness. <laughs> fairness, final final words on something. Usually it's like a, 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 a what's a like, get what you deserve kind of card. It's a, it's a karma card a little bit sometimes, but it's very much about like fair trial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is one of my, um, like, this is one of my stretch questions. <laughs> But what is the current LGBT acronym, and why does it keep changing? Okay, let's see if I can recall all of them. LGBTQIA2, QIA2, uh, oh, is there another A? And there's two A's. P? I, 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 I know to that end. <laughs> and sorry, what was the secondary question? Why does it keep changing? Why don't you know it? Why isn't it just the acronym I opened with? <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't think everyone always, uh, most people just say LGBT plus. I don't really have a problem with there being more like in the extended thing. It's just to really make people feel more included. Um, I, I, I think that there is a fair 
criticism that grouping everyone in together when all of us have very different, like my experiences as a, as a trans dude are so much different than like, you know, a, a cis gay guy, right? It's like, we're not gonna have much in common there besides the fact that we're both men. Like my, even my experience, like I'm, I am a gay guy, but I don't have that experience of, of being attracted to men and having that being seen as, as wrong. I spent my entire life being attracted to men and that being very normal. And then it wasn't until I was an adult and, and you know, figured out what my gender was that my sexuality just kind of slid in there quite highly. So I think that um, in terms of, of certain spaces, I think that it's nice to have those spaces in, in, in general, like the generalized big, uh, large acronym uh, in like colleges and places where people can meet people who are also marginalized. Um, I think that's fair. I, I think that it, it, it keeps changing because there's different types of identity that we, you know, discovered and, and people are still figuring out. And, uh, and I think it's important to include everyone, but I also think it's fair to just say like, when it comes to more particular issues, like for example, when I'm talking about trans stuff, I'm not talking about like, I, I sometimes I'll see lists that's like, L, this LGBT celebrity and I'm like is is, is he all of those things yeah. so it's like I, I think that it's important to be like I'm talking about trans stuff I'm talking about things to do with lesbians I'm talking about things to do with people who are bi etc when it comes down to more uh, specific issues because sometimes I find when they just say like LGBT celebrities it's just like well you didn't include any T so or any B, so you're just saying L and G. Like it's just it happens a lot when people do that. Yeah. And you certainly didn't include any A or or uh or uh two. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Um so our next card is the Wheel of Fortune which is a happy card yeah. which means that um with you know success and luck comes Wes. Will you share with us your coming out story? Oh my God. As I said earlier, my coming out story is very messy. I like, I, I slowly, but year by year turned into a trans man. And it was like, oh God, I, I was like, I was genderqueer, which I never like, yeah, I never really came out. I was just like, hey, I'm genderqueer. And I put it on my Tumblr blog and was like, this is me, and uh, that was kind of the extent of it. And then I was, what was I? Was gender fluid for a bit, and then I was uh, uh, trans masculine. I think I was non-binary before that. Then I was trans masculine. Then I was trans man. I think I definitely like hard was like I am trans masculine in 2015, and it's such a cringy, embarrassing story. But I was <laughs> I was going to my first LARP event. And I, I had to put down my email. And the first thing I did was like, I don't want to be called this name anymore. Like, I, cause I don't want to meet new people and have them know that name. So I just like very speedily was like, okay, I'm going to go buy a new name now. And I'm trans masculine and please don't use she, her pronouns for me anymore. And, and that was like the extent of it. And it was really just because I didn't want to, I, I, I had been faced with a new opportunity to meet a bunch of new people. And I was like, oh, I could meet all these people and have them never know what my old name was. I'm going to change it. Yeah, that's awesome. 
So I think that was it. I came out to my parents and like, I remember I sent this long like message to my dad over Facebook and he was like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) He didn't care care at all. My mom was a little bit more, um, this is like where she was upset because um, my middle name is still is Margaret. And it was part of my name before. And that was her mom's mom, her, her mom's name. It was her mom's name and her mom uh, died before I was born. So it was like everyone in the family has like a name of someone in as their middle name. And uh, and I think she was a little upset because she was worried that when I changed my name, I was going to get rid of that. And I was like, no, no, it's just it'll just be my middle name. I'm not like and no one sees my middle name anyway. So who cares? Right. Mm-hmm. But she was she was OK with it, too. I think she had some like questions about it, but she, they've both been very accepting and chill and uh you know my i'm lucky my grandma was like oh wow i'm gonna go buy you like breakfast or something she wanted to take me to some food place in Sudbury. so my grandma's been really excited i'm very lucky to have such like a woke family (laughs) because i don't think i have anyone in my family that has been weird about my transition at all like everyone has just been like okay that's fine awesome yeah, that's, I, I love your coming out story, which is why, like, I knew we had to, because I'm like, a good one? There's a good one? Yeah, I mean, I was like, I'm trying to think, I don't think I have any bad, like, I think that's why I don't really feel like I have a coming out story, is because it's been, it was such a minor event for me. Yeah, everyone was just like, all right. <laughs> yeah, like, everyone's like, okay, that's fine, whatever. Like, that's the extent of it, really. Yeah. <laughs> but it is nice you know it's like it, it can happen to everyone who's like oh like any any like boomer out there who doesn't like who gets weird about their kid being trans it's like my parents are old and they're fine so it's like what's your excuse yeah I've met enough people in larger age ranges than my parents that are absolutely fine with mm-hmm all the gay shit in my life that it's just like I'm sorry if you can learn to use the internet at your age you can you learn to use my pronoun yeah like it's like there's so many harder things to learn out there than just figuring how to use pronouns for somebody (laughs) it's like the idea of oh well I have to think before I speak and I don't like it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They've never had to pause. Yeah, and it's like, well, you probably should have been doing that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> so, um, our fifth question for the hanged man. Um, you identify as a witch. I do. But in Harry Potter, all the witches are girls and all the wizards are boys. What's up with that? Uh, well, it's a ling- there's a linguistic reason for that. So uh, warlock, that word comes from traitor. It doesn't mean witch or, or magical person anyways. And wizard came from the wise art, which means wise man. So it has also has nothing to do. Like you would have court wizards it because it was just the wise old person in court. Mm-hmm. So wizard doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, in some, I know some Italian people go by magi because that's like the magic call. Um, but which which was used in uh, both for men and women uh, for a very long time when that the first time you hear that word since the first time they started using it it's been used for both men and women 
Uh, and, you know, of all the many things that J.K. Rowling was wrong about, that is one of the other things. <laughs> yeah, it's on, it's on the list. It's on the list of, like, shit you didn't get. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, so that is our first deal down. Yeah. I'm going to check the chat. How do I check the chat? I don't know. Uh, it doesn't look like we have any comments yet. If any of our viewers have any questions, comments, concerns, or just want to say hi, <laughs> we're watching. <laughs> All right. Are we shuffling again? Shuffling again. Just say when. Uh, now. <laughs> okay. The Tower. Ooh. Judgment. The Moon. The Moon is like one of my favorites um, because I'm biased and I was born on the 18th and it's the 18th card. Ah, that checks out. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a pretty card. Oh, the Star. That is another one of my favorites. And the Empress. Ooh. Yeah, the, the star and the moon are like my favorites because I'm like that. <laughs> because of who I am as a person. <laughs> and in my deck, the card that that's for the star, it has a cat that looks like my cat. Therefore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for those watching at home who don't know every detail about my life for some reason. For <laughs> For Christmas, Wes got me a purple cat tarot deck, which is just like he won. On brand. <laughs> yeah, like they're like I show like I show them to other people, and they're just like I just like they're yours, of course. <laughs> well, I love it's weird. I love themed like different art tarot decks, but I am so basic, and I only ever use my regular Rider weight one. I have a, a a crow one that I got when I was in Salem. Never used it because the cards are too big. <laughs> And I have little small hands. Yeah. My very first tarot deck was, um, it, it was a like a kid's deck. So they were like this big. Oh, am I, I'm not here. There. Mm -hmm. So they were oh, tiny. tiny ones. They were so cute. And I got so good at shuffling them that when I moved to like actual tarot cards, it was so awkward because I was just <laughs> like, oh, my mindset. I'm just not in the mode for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, moving forward. Our, um, so I totally did them in the wrong order last time, but I have the right order this time because I actually, I did that crazy thing where you think about things before you do them. <laughs> and then I remembered what I was supposed to do. <laughs> it was great. So number one is the tower card. Okay. So misery, distress, and deception. Yeah, Tower's the card of, like, fuck you. Shit's getting bad, idiot. Yeah. So with that, I have a question. Ooh. What is the issue with asking trans people about their genitals? Oh, I mean, it's... Don't... Why would you ask that of anyone, really? Like, it, to, to, I get that people are curious. Like, I, 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 I think that it's important to be curious in general. Um, I think that wanting to ask questions is good. 
Um, but I always say if it's a question that you would be uncomfortable with someone asking you, don't be asking people unless they're like your close friend. You know, I, I don't, I say I'm a trans man and I'm, I'm hoping people just assume that they understand what that means and they could Google it if they don't. Right. And I think that, um, especially with like non-binary people being like, but what were you born as? It's just like, are you trying to fuck them? Like what's going on? Like I, what's the yeah. reason for knowing? Like, I, I just think it's, it's, I, I understand curiosity and I get it, but it's just like, in the end, unless you're gonna, unless you're their doctor or you're going to have sex, I don't think that knowing what someone's genitals are, it, it's like asking someone how big their dick is. It's just weird. It's like, hey, why are you asking that of a person that you barely know? Mm-hmm. And it's always like when I have, like when I have a trans friend and I, uh, actually, I'm gonna tell a specific story. Yeah. So flashback to back in the day when everyone thought I was a woman and I was and I was dating a non-binary person and I, I was fascinated by their identity. Amazing. Anyway, <laughs> I had um, my cousin's boyfriend was asking questions about them. And like at first it started, it was like a slow burn of just slowly getting more disrespectful with each question. And then finally I got the, the question that he wanted to ask the whole time of, yeah, but like, what do they have down there? And I looked at him and I was just like, oh, did you want to plan something? Like, did you want to interact with their genitals? <laughs> froze, like, just like, no, yeah, no, them. no, and I was like, oh, well, like, you have no other reason to have known. So I, sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah, that's, she's like, give me one second. My battery's dying, so I'm going to change locations. That's fair. I will, um. I'm moving to the place with better lighting, though, so. Ooh, I'm getting an upgrade. Now I feel better about myself when I'm in here. <laughs> <laughs> the mood lighting. Oh, wow, you do actually look better. I'm meant to be in like a cave with blue lighting <gasps> next to my kitty. Jasper. Jasper's here. Have you told Jasper that I missed him? Well, uh, I don't think he misses, he certainly doesn't miss me. <laughs> <laughs> he, misses, he misses no one. Okay, fine. I know that one misses me and that's enough. Oh my God, that cat is so loud. <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> All right, number two, the judgment card. Oh, so that's another, that's another card that I'm gonna get a tattoo of is judgment. Ooh, I, I thought that, I was thinking, I was thinking that when I was going through the card yesterday and I, and I wasn't sure and then I decided it wasn't information that was really, really important. <laughs> So I didn't ask, and I still got the answer anyway because life is magic. Well, yeah, because I wanted to get the two things, which is the only things that are certain in life is death and judgment. I like that. Ah. Oh yeah, and you're doing you're that's the one you're doing like opposite on, on your arm. Yeah, other other arm. Yeah, I thought so. All right. So for the question for judgment, which is like a change of position, renewal. Um, we are going to ask, we already touched on this a little bit. Could you share with us the history of singular they as a pronoun, when it was used, 
why it stopped and why it's resurging. Okay. Um, I mean, so there's formal use of it and informal and informally it's been in use since the English language is in existence. There's like stuff from the 1300s where they were using a singular they, which was said a different way. I think it was the, uh, what was it? It was they and it was like the, the or like, no, it's not the, but it, they, were, they had a version of they, which was spelled with one of those weird, uh, like sideways thus, <laughs> okay. old English, old, old English. So old English had a, a form of they uh, that was used singularly and, and uh, you can find evidence of it, but it's always in non-informal uh, papers. Formally in, in proper English, um, it hasn't been used much uh, because people used to just use he, like it was just like, if they didn't know, they would just use he, you know, if the student, wants to come into the room, then he can do like, you'll find that in a lot of old stuff that, that uh, stuffy old English people always love to just revert to he. Uh, but it's always, it's always been there. And I think that it, uh, what happened about why it kind of went away is it's still in use and it was still in use for a while. But uh, so in English, we kind of have this in other languages, you'll have uh, essentially Im impersonal and personal pronouns. So impersonal is like, you're not talking about the person like like they're in the room and then personal, which is like they're in the room, right? So we use singular they in an impersonal manner. So, oh, you know, this, this uh, guy, this person came into the store and they were asking for something, right? That's correct grammar and, and people don't blink at that, but people uh, grammatically, with the way that a lot of English people see it is if you were talking about your friend, like, oh, you know, Jerry's having a birthday. Uh, Jerry said that they want to do this. And a lot of people would be uncomfortable with, with when it's a personal thing, which is involving like a named person who's there. So it, it kind of came back after uh, essentially neo pronouns weren't really catching on because those were a big thing uh, in the 80s and 90s of when people were trying to get more into gender neutral stuff. Um, so many different things were coming out about different types of, uh, of gender neutral pronouns and everyone was trying to create a new one instead of being like, hey, do we already have a word? <laughs> All right, and, and we will get more into neo pronouns as the cards reveal themselves, which is awesome. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, do you feel satisfied with that answer? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I, I think it's, it's, it's a word that's always been there. I don't think it ever went away. It's just like been used in different variation, really. Yeah. Okay. So the moon. Number 18. Yeah. Hidden enemies, danger, error. <laughs> I love the moon. <laughs> Disorder. Oh. <laughs> uh, how do you feel a disconnection from common masculine tropes has impacted your identity? How, sorry, could you repeat the question? Yes. How do you feel a disconnection from common masculine tropes has impacted your identity? Um, well, I think I'm uh, going back to like my, my family life and my dad. I think I'm lucky in that. I did not grow up around very macho men. So my understanding of masculinity and my ideal of masculinity was, you know, someone like everyone's, 
everyone's base understanding of the masculine and feminine usually starts with your parents, right? So you understand women to be a certain way because of your mother and you understand men to be a certain way because of your father. And my dad is like soft-spoken, a musician, never yells, like smart, likes to read, uh, you know, likes to write. Um, doesn't like get into like sports and like big dude stuff. Like, it's just like his, I always like, he looked like Aragorn from Lord of the Rings for a lot of my life. And, and it's speaking of Lord of the Rings. Like that was another thing. He read those books to me. And my idea of like masculinity is like the men in these books who are okay with, um, you know, kissing their friends and, and holding their friends and telling their friends that they love them. And, and that type of masculinity was something that I grew up with. And, and I think, but on top of that, I did grow up in a very small town where every other person's dad was like, worked at the mine, drank a lot, uh, had some sort of ATV truck, snowmobile, et cetera, type of vehicle that he liked to drive around and tended to be quite insecure with uh, their masculinity. So I think that growing up there uh, created a, a level of like me being like, I don't want to be like those people. Um, but l later on in adulthood, I think that I did feel a little bit of a pressure to look more masculine, like what I was talking about before, about like shaving my head and like, you know, just like trying to be super masculine. I think that those tropes kind of, uh, it, it, I think everyone who's trans has to try on different types of the way that they want to perceive themselves because we don't get we don't get just put in the right clothes at birth. We're just like, oh shit, we have to figure out how to like express ourselves. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I'm lucky in that my, the things that I consider masculine are not the things that everyone else idealizes as, as super masculine, but I did, I did have my period of trying to butch it up, which didn't <laughs> <up> very well. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's, I think it's important for, uh, you know, especially trans dudes, because I know that a lot of trans dudes have a, a, a difficulty trying to find male figures that they can identify with. And I think it's important to, to find different types of masculinity in different types of media. That's not the typical, like strong, uh, you know, Dwayne the Johnson kind of guy, although he's quite nice. So I support men like him too. Yeah. Big, strong and kind, sign me. Yeah, be nice. <laughs> Yeah, as um as we touched on last week, the um general life philosophy that I practice is don't be a dick. Yeah, I mean, I I think that I, don't be a dick is a pretty easy way to live life. If you just my I I, I even started with like mind your own business. <laughs> <laughs> if you just mind your own business, you will probably get through life without too much uh confrontation yeah. and without too many people hating you. Yeah, see, I have to get involved and help people. <laughs> get in trouble. <laughs> I, do get I don't make eye contact with anyone. <laughs> Sorry? I, said, I don't make eye contact with anyone. I just go to my destinations without interacting with the world. I pretend Ooh. I'm the only person. Yeah. I I've tried to do that and I, I physically cannot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like the weird I think the weird thing about being like a goth is like we dress in a way that inherently draws attention, but most of us do not like attention. <laughs> yeah, or is I adore attention and dress however I want because I love said attention. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like some form of like goth, uh, like the monks that whip themselves. 
It's like, I'm going to dress in a way that's going to make people say weird shit to me because I would like to feel pain. Yeah, I just, I want old people to hate me. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, the star. Because I clearly shuffled these very well. (laughs) It's, I mean, we're only using the 22 major arcana, so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All righty. So, the star. Do you want to do this definition? Yeah, I mean, the star is is a level of of uh, hopefulness to it. Um, the star is is uh, one of those. I never get the star because I'm probably not a very uh, optimistic person. <laughs> uh, but it also is it's caring, it's nurturing. Uh, the star has a lot to do with with being a, a beacon of hope, a beacon of of light and and pleasantness. This is why I never get the card. I'm not that person. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I get the star all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the star star the star is a very nice card to have if you are a nurturing type of person. Yeah. I imagine I just pictured you doing like a, a fear reading and getting the star and just like screaming. <laughs> <laughs> well, like to me, like that that would be like, oh god, I, who do I have to take care of? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my question for the star is why do people struggle to update their language? Oh, I mean, language is hard in general. Language is hard. It's hard to learn new languages. Um, it, it, uh, most of the stuff, I think there's a study done. I need to fact check this, but it's like uh, essentially most of the words that we use, we don't use that many words. Like I think it's like only like a small percentage of, of the human language that we actually use on a daily basis. And most of the time we're just saying the same words over and over and over again, because there's only, there's a set number that we can get our thoughts out with. Right. So a lot of people will spend their whole lives only using this set amount of words. And then when they're, when they have to willingly change it, you know, it's the same people who get frustrated when they, when they don't know how to say someone's name. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that I, I get it. Words are hard. um, And, and, you know, I shouldn't, in the same way you shouldn't judge someone who is a second, like English is a second language and they may not know how to pronounce someone's name properly, or they might not know how to pronounce a, a store properly. It, it would be quite shitty to me making fun of someone for not knowing how to speak English correctly, which in, by the way, they know two languages and you know one most of the time. So <laughs> it's just like, uh, but I think that a, a, a willingness and wanting to, to uh, being able to update your language is important. Uh, I, I think, like, what is this in terms of, is this, like, specifically about people who, who can't fucking say they pronouns? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about my mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that, 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 overall, it's, I think that people get in their heads when they're told to say something a certain way, right? And if, if it just came naturally and they didn't think about it too much and they weren't worried about it and they weren't stressing about it, it would just come naturally. I think once people decide in their head, this is hard for me, you have already set up the self-fulfilling prophecy of I am going to fuck this up. And I remember when I first, this is a good story, but when I first came out, I had um, a friend at the time uh, message me and say like, oh, like just so you know, like I'm going to screw up and blah, blah, blah. And like, you can, like, uh, I have a lot of, of cis friends who would do this, who'd be like, if I ever screw up, you can just hit me. And I'm like, you are setting yourself up to be screwing up. Don't talk about it. Don't assume that you're going to screw up because you're just 
you're thinking about it too hard. It's like how to pronounce someone's name. If you if you think about it too hard, it just start words start to screw around in your head, and then you just start to overthink it. I think people are just overthinking things. Really, it's just yeah. it, I, it's hard, but it's not like if you if you decide already that you're going to screw up, then of course you're going to be screwing up. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I I absolutely think that's a it's definitely a case of just mind over matter. And if you think something's hard, it will be hard. If you believe in yourself, well, you're going to be a lot more successful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, and it's also like I think that wanting to just I think a lot of people don't really want to have to change their language. And I think that faults them too. They're like, well, I don't want to have to change so that every time they do it, they get all mad about it. And it's just like, just, eh, just move on, <laughs> correct yourself and move on. Yeah. That is the best thing that you can like, like that you can do when you misgender someone is just like, and also like try re-saying the sentence just to get yeah. the habit in instead yeah. of being like, oh, they went, or like, like, oh, he went to the, they went to the store to like, yeah. like stop yourself. And, like they went to the store. It yeah. may sound like, like it's like, I've had people say like, oh, I feel like a child when I have to correct myself. And it's just like, well, like you are equating it to children because children are learning. You're yeah. learning. Yeah, I mean, it's learning. I mean, it's a thing. It's weird. It's, it's a thing we did in in one of the LARPs I went to, where is exactly what you said. You have to repeat what you said. So someone would like be like, "Oh, pronouns," and they'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry," and then re-say the sentence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the best way to build up a habit. Yeah, and and also don't get upset about being interrupted because it's like when you're in a conversation, it's important. Um, I was talking to my mom, and and uh, my mom was like, "Oh, why do you keep correcting me?" And I would like, just like interrupted me and, and was like, oh, it feels kind of malicious. And I was like, no, I'm just, cause by the time you finish the conversation, I don't want to be like, oh, and by the way, here, 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 and here, use the wrong pronouns for my friend. Like, it's just like, it's easier to just interrupt and move on, right? Yeah, and so many, like being corrected is not a personal attack. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's just like, I would say like, imagine it's someone's name. And, and imagine how frustrating it would be to constantly have people mispronouncing your name. And would you get mad at that person for correcting you on how to pronounce their name? And, and if you would get mad at that person, you're probably a bit of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so treat your pronouns like names. Just like, just if you say the wrong one, move on. And also, you know, try to talk about that person in passing by yourself use the because I think a lot of people because they don't have to talk about that person and use pronouns or sometimes don't talk about that person at all like I don't talk about people too often uh, unless I'm recalling a story but if you just sit in your room and practice talking about a person anybody make up a fake person and use all types of pronouns you'll get used to it mm-hmm and I think people are just afraid of taking the time to practice or even not even just afraid, but just literally don't have it. We need or, Duolingo for English pronouns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to do your daily, like whatever test to figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, moving forward, we have the Empress card. Oh, the Empress. Mm-hmm. Oh, initiative, action, doubt. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So um, what is the impact that feminism has had on language in the last, um, like in the last century since? Like, the, like the English language or just all language? <laughs> whatever you have the answer for. Whatever we have um, I mean, so, so in English, uh, in English, um, I mean, you obviously see things like we, we're, we're not a, um, we're not a romance language, so we're not like Latin based, but we have a lot of Latin influences because there was a period of time where the French were uh, in charge of Saxons at the time, I believe that was what they were called. But it was essentially the French took over the English and we got a lot of words um, from them because of that. That was why we have words like Parliament, like Parliament. We have words like, even, even this is a fun one, but in, in England, they called the toilet the loo. And the reason for that is because um, back in the day, when you didn't have a toilet, you just throw your waist out the window. And in French, you would say, uh, look out for the water. So, regarde uh, l'eau, I fucking fuck at French, but it's like, regarde l'eau. And, but English people would say, guardie l'eau. And it just turned into the l'eau, right? Yeah. Because of the fact that we have a lot of French influence on our language, we do have a lot of gendered uh, things. Um, and it's not even just like French's problem. It's it's there's problems in Germanic English too. But we'll have stuff like waiter, waitress, steward, stewardess, actor, actress, right? And I think that l lately um, there's been a lot more push to just have it being the one thing. I'm an actor. I am a, a waitstaff. You know, steward. We we've been starting negating um, all these. I mean, some people like having those words, but there's been a lot of push to remove this weird like gendered uh words about certain people because it can cause a lot of assumptions and it can cause um your work life to be different even if you're not even face to face with a customer right so i think that that push has been definitely quite uh i think a good thing i know people are talking about it's like it's in the oscars right people are pushing for it just to be a best actor category and to stop separating it because it's weird to separate the genders just for actor and actress but not for director, not for, you know, screenwriter. And it's just like, you've not made it equal. You've only made it separated in one category, right? Yeah. Um, in, in other languages, there's been different types of, uh, you know, feminist pushes to, uh, uh, I know that in, uh, in Japan, there's been a lot of different, like, uh, movement between a lot uh, of girls. I'm, again, I'm not like super versed on this, but I know that there's been a lot of change between like how people are are acting because I know there's a lot of uh, effeminate ways of talking and like feminine ways of speaking to women that a lot of like tomboys are like being like, no, I'm not doing that anymore, right? And being more informal with their language. And it's it's all over the place. You'll have different uh, you know, languages that that women don't want to be you know held back by um and specifically in english i think that it, it has to do with our job position and how gendered we've kind of put uh you know our language into yeah i think that's all <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting about uh is I took a class called Language and Gender, and it was less about gender presentation, but it was just more about, like, how, the way that people talk. And there's this interesting thing about how, like, women tend to be interrupted more, and men tend to interrupt more. And 
women tend to uh, use language. For example, like women tend to use language such as I would like rather than I want. So you're mm-hmm. at a store and it's like, oh, I would like a coffee, please. I want a coffee, please. And there's these different little things that we, you know, that just get ingrained into people's language. So that it, I think that a lot of people are trying to separate uh, gender from language because it's just like, it, it can create these weird uh, dynamics between people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is, um, I've been, I've heard, I basically this started because I read something about how women tend to soften their language and their thoughts with things like, oh, I just wanted to say, instead of I wanted to say, or so, or even just saying what you wanted to say. <laughs> and I, so I've been trying to get into the habit of being, and I've been actively being more conscious of trying to be direct with my language because I didn't realize that was a feminine thing to, but, and I think it's also part of anxiety because I am also an anxious mess. So we can't forget that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately our language kind of equates passiveness and uh, with, uh, with femininity and being polite with femininity. Um, it's interesting that you said that it was another thing about how uh, women tend to use like affirmative sounds more. So when you're talking to someone, you go, oh, uh-huh. Oh, uh huh, uh huh, and men tend to just be quiet and just listen because mm-hmm. uh, women are kind of taught to make sure that you're engaging with them. Yeah, um, and it's interesting what you're saying about like not being like using language as if you're not sure. That's actually like kind of a thing in uh, the way that a lot of Japanese people talk. Um, that there's this there's this way of talking that's like you don't say like I know this and this is true and blah 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 because it makes you sound like in it, within culturally a lot of people would see that as being like a, a bit of a dick and a know-it-all so there's all these the language cues that's like well I I I I believe it to be I think that it might be like there's a lot of might and maybes used or, or like essentially the Japanese equivalency of that and mm-hmm. it's like I'm only saying this because I'm learning Japanese on Duolingo yeah. <laughs> so, like I have all these facts now that may not be 100% true, but uh, I know that I was reading a thing about how there's like a lot of language cues about about saying things like, oh, I think, or, or maybe it's this, or, or just uh, not being definite on anything because it's seen as impolite. Yeah, and that is definitely the mindset that created that, like, that verbal habit for me. Mm-hmm. Is it's the kind of thing where like I can I can literally because I'm trying to be more conscious of it, I can literally feel the change, and it's neat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Alrighty. We are halfway through. Yay. All right. Say when. When. You're so quick. <laughs> I don't know how much lag there is, so I'm just like, I'll say it. <laughs> I was literally just starting. I'm like, say when. Shuffle, shuffle. Okay. (laughs) The chariot. The emperor. The hermit. Strength. The world. Alrighty. So, the chariot. All right, so the chariot is to represent 
Providence, War, and Triumph. So with this, I am going to ask you, what are your thoughts on the word queer? Oh, um, I have a mixed uh, relationship with that word. <laughs> I think it's important. I, I understand its function. I understand its function, and I don't tend to get too mad about people being like the queer community or whatever. Um, I personally don't identify as queer. I just don't identify with that word, and I, I guess it's like I associate it too much with negative things. Um, to be like, I, I if people are free to reclaim the slurs that they would like to reclaim. Uh, I think that's good, and I think that that's, that's healthy for people. Um, but I've not enjoyed being lumped in uh, and called queer, just because I'm like, I'm not, but okay. Um, so I think, I think it's just hard. It's hard when slurs are reclaimed because not everyone has the same relationship with that slur, right? Yeah. So to a lot of people, it's never been used for a slur. And I think my only frustration has been, it's been a lot of, like, I'll have, like, cishet people using it just kind of casually. And it's it's taken a lot of my energy to not, like, be, like, eh, like kind of twitch at it when I hear, like, not essentially not queer people saying queer. So I think that there's a, when you reclaim something, uh, there's also a level of, like, okay, are we just going to be okay with everyone saying this now? That's the question, right? And and for me, it's still a little bit of a, uh, you know, I identified as genderqueer for a while, but even I think I left that identity because I was just uncomfortable with, I just did not feel like I was queer. I didn't feel comfortable using that word because it just, to me, it was just like a nasty word that I've been called, right? Yeah. And, and as you know, for me, like I'm the opposite where I love the word queer. <laughs> and, I, and I understand its function because it is a little bit frustrating to say like LGBTQIA2 plus or whatever, right? So I, I understand its function is to just like quickly lump people. But at the same time, you know, implying that everyone in that acronym would identify with, as queer is when queer is in the acronym, right? It's the Q yeah. is, is for queer. So it's just like, you know, I, I have a difficult relationship with it. I understand the function of the word. Um, I think it's good that people use it, and I, I support everyone who uses it. I just personally don't like to label myself as that just because I just don't like the word. <laughs> and I don't, I, I think it's just people need to be careful about who they're talking to, I think. Yeah. You know, it just being like when you're saying like, oh, yeah, queer people and all blah, 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 and I kind of get lumped in and lumped in, and I'm just like, I, I never say anything because, again, I don't. I don't care enough to be saying shit about it, but I usually am just like, well, I personally don't identify as that, but, and eh. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, I have a barking dog under the table. Doggy. Doggy. Yeah. Her name is CJ. She is amazing. CJ. <laughs> there she is. Yeah. <laughs> she has the same um, name as my nephew, which is amazing. <laughs> Oh, right, I forgot about young CJ. Yeah, little CJ, little Corey Jr. and CJ the dog. Both CJs that came into my life around the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I think I love them the same. Well, actually, I do hope he's watching because I like attention, but still. <laughs> Moving on to the Emperor. The emperor. Do you want to do this definition? 
Sure. I mean, the emperor is is uh, Mr. Authority. It was weird that the you did the chariot the chariot earlier, right? And it was like some war thing. I've never read it that way. Um, but anyway, the emperor is like. Um, I always forget what like the actual packet says about cards because there's different meanings for different decks. But yeah. um, anyways, the emperor is is a figure of of masculine authority. Essentially, he is the uh, the yin to the empress's yang. Um, he represents a, a level of uh, intensity and a level of uh, strength. And uh, I'm trying to think of a. Uh, He's very his his words are intentional and he's a little strict, uh, whereas the empress would be a little bit more soft and gentle. So the emperor can not always be a very good card, but it it, it does resemble having some level of emotional strength to yourself. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, will you? Um, this is something that we did kind of talk about already, but mm -hmm. just wondering about the support network that you had through the years of your transition. And like different people that you had helping you and everything. Um, well, I think I was friends with like I think at the time I, I had a lot of trans friends. So um, but I didn't have many trans male friends until later in my life, which was I think that was a bit of a struggle. I had some online acquaintances. Um, so I, I think that for me it was a little bit tough because I didn't have many trans men in my life. I had a lot of non-binary people in my life and I had a few trans women in my life, but there's very few uh, trans men that I knew personally that I could hang out with until a little bit later. Um, so I think I struggled with, uh, you know, having, having those, you know, mentors, having, having someone to look up to who, whose transition, you know, I could coordinate with. I think that's why I started testosterone so late in my transition. Cause I only started last year. And I came out as uh, in like 2016. So I think that is because I was a, I didn't know much about it. I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know how much it was going to cost. I didn't know what it was going to do to my body. And I, I didn't have many friends who were taking testosterone, uh, if any, right at the time. So it was just a little bit, uh, though I had trans friends, I didn't have many trans male friends until a little bit later. So that was, that was a bit of a, a pain. But yeah. everyone around me was quite supportive and nice. So that was good. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. Yeah, I did. I expected good things from your support network. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also, I didn't need much support. I was like, you know, again, I was thankfully in, in a place where I was dealing with, I've dealt with depression in my life, but it never came from a trans place it came with a lot of financial struggle so i think that that was like a huge horrible stress in my life so because of that my transness kind of got put in the back burner because i was just constantly worried about money <laughs> yeah. too busy to be stressed about this <laughs> yeah i was like oh god uh, i can't afford to live in the city because i have other things to be worrying about yeah Yeah, I've, that's uh, something similar I've heard with, with a few um, people who just like, like they would reach different like check marks in their life to make sure that they were stable before transitioning. Yeah, like I, I didn't want to start hormones until I could guarantee myself that I would be able to stick to it because it is a lifelong, you know, commitment essentially. So yeah. I wasn't even thinking about it until later. And I think I didn't, 
I didn't start thinking about hormones until I was like, I noticed myself aging and I was like, oh no, I don't want to age like a woman. I need to start <laughs> hormones. <laughs> like, I was like, if I get old, I need to be a daddy. I don't want to be a, an old woman. <laughs> oh, daddy Wes. <laughs> that was my only reason. I was like, if I have to be old, I want to be a wizard. <laughs> I need to look like Gandalf. <laughs> Hell yeah. Or you look like our next card, the hermit. Yeah. Oh my God. Me. Me now, honestly. <laughs> Alrighty. Do you want to def uh, define the hermit? Yeah. I mean, the hermit is very self-explanatory. It's, it's an isolation card. Uh, it's not a bad card. In, in, it, it has to do with a lot of self-reflection uh, and, and, and being on your own. Because um, I think that that's important to learn how to be on your own. A lot of people don't know how to do that. I certainly didn't. And I spent a lot of my life kind of relying on other people until I could figure out, oh, you, you know, you, you're, what is this? It's like a saying, it's like you're born alone, you die alone. It's like, and, and your best friend should always be yourself. So the, the hermit is, is a, a card of, of self-reflection and moving away to be with yourself rather than uh, surrounding yourself with other people. Mm -hmm. So the question associated with the hermit is one that we did just talk about because that's just how the cards are, I guess. <laughs> Transitioning well. <laughs> yeah, actually, like, like I couldn't have, I couldn't have planned this. Thank, well, I, I should have planned. This. <laughs> I, could have planned this. <laughs> I could have, but I didn't, and it's still working out. <laughs> anyway, um, when you came out, did you lose straight friends? Did I lose straight friends? Um. Because I have straight friends. <laughs> I was wondering. Um, oh, you know, I definitely, oh, God, I completely forgot about this. I, I had a friend that I don't know if it was because I came out or whatever, because um, I hadn't changed my name at the time. But I did I did lose one friend who was quite close to me, um, kind of when I started getting a little bit more radically queer. Um, because I was more involved in politics. I was more involved in like gender and, and sexuality and like social justice and stuff like that. I was very loud about those things. Mm -hmm. And I was friends with someone who very much didn't really care about that and was just like, oh, I don't really care about that stuff. Like, I just, and it's like, well, you don't care because you don't have to. It's not affecting you. Yeah. So I, I, I had a quiet falling out. I don't think there were, I had any big friend breakups. Um, but it definitely was like, slowly it was like oh we have absolutely nothing in common now like you know i'm this i'm this uh you know i'm this side shaved sjw on tumblr and and you just want to like chill and not do anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah but besides that I, I mean i've never been someone who had a lot of friends in general because i tend to focus my energy on like large amounts of energy on a small group of people mm -hmm. so I've within my lifetime, I've my friend groups have always been quite small and thankfully they've always been quite um, accepting. And I came out as trans when I was in a place where a lot of my friends were trans already. Yeah. Yeah. When I came out, most of my friends were trans and I still lost friends. <laughs> wow. Like, like I lost my straight, I lost some straight friends. Like I had a, a full group of friends just stopped talking to me. Oh, wow. Like there were like five people 
who just like abruptly just wouldn't like, like I never spoke to them about it. Mm. So I just, um, I just kind of accepted it, but it's something I only like, like, it's weird. I literally, I remembered it recently of just like, wow, those like that group of five people I was friends with in the makeup program stopped talking to me as like literally like the semester that I came out. Wow, and sitting with me in class, like actually, mm -hmm. like actively, like one time one of them moved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what's that's messed up. I think yeah. I, I think I probably lost more friends, but I I think it's like I don't when it's slow falling out, you don't notice it because like it's just like a mutual like oh I realize I haven't talked to that person forever, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, in terms of like my transness, who knows, I may have lost people because of that, but I certainly didn't notice. And it was probably just them unfriending me on Facebook. And then I never thought about it again. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be like the more, like I probably have more than like that group that I lost, but eh. <laughs> if someone actively not wanting to sit next to you is like, that's like, there's like obvious. And then there's like, oh, I realize I haven't talked to that person in a while. Yeah, yeah, which is like I think I definitely um, repressed that because, as I said, it's something like, I just remembered. Like I was just like, "Oh wow, that's a thing that happened, and that sucked." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've dealt with like you know, I I I still to this day deal with people being weird about it. You know, I I am part of many LARP communities, and I've had like I've, I've met people, and they've been cool with me, and then I'll talk about something on Facebook, and they'll be like a complete act themselves and I'm like okay Jesus and then like I essentially can't talk to that person anymore because they're weird about trans stuff I think a lot of LARPers because it's a very old community there's a lot of people who've been playing since like the 90s certain games there's a lot of old men <laughs> who don't know how to talk to trans people and I think that that is it's weird like I've lost friends after I've made them as a trans person which is weird yeah but because a lot of people just expect you to be like, okay, you're trans, don't talk about it ever. Yeah. It's just like, like okay, we get it. Right. Yeah, they don't want you to ever defend your identity, which is weird. Yeah. Whereas if, like, you were to question them with something else, I'm sure they'd respond. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's... When it comes to people having an issue with those of a trans identity, if that person is cis and they've literally never had to question or think about their gender before, mm -hmm. they don't see it as a big deal because it's something that they've always naturally been. So yeah. they have to learn to think about it. So the fact that they're being told that other people think about it is just beyond them. Yeah, it's definitely hard to fathom, like, you know, what it's, like, I mean, I can't imagine being cis, really. Like, I've always had the same complicated relationship with gender for my entire life. I just didn't have a word for it until I was older, right? So it's yeah. just, like, I can't imagine just being, like, yeah, this is me and I'm cool with it. Like, it's just, like, and, and they don't have to think about it, right? Like, they don't have to worry about, about you know, getting a name change, oh, getting a gender change, like, they don't have to worry about any of that stuff, they don't have to worry about correcting people on their pronouns constantly, most of the time, some cis people do, but it's just, like, it, it, transness is a hard thing to explain to people who are never going to understand it, but I think that what matters in general when someone has a life experience that is very different from yours 
is to just, unless they're physically harming you or someone else, it's like, just, just accept them and listen and try to just assume that they know what they're doing. And, and, you know, it's, it costs no money to just respect people and, and move on. Yeah. Yeah. That it comes up again so often, but uh, what's it? Uh, Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Yeah. It's like, you know, and it's like, I'm, I'm a, I'm an egomaniac. I don't care enough about any other person to be up in their business about fucking their identity. (laughs) Like I'm just, I'm too, I'm too focused on me. I'm looking in the mirror. I want to know what I'm doing. I don't care what anyone else is doing. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have that magic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, The strength card. It's it's another one that defines itself. (laughs) I have that one on my wall. (laughs) Yeah. Strength, power, action, courage. Touching a lion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the strength card, it's very, it's a beautiful card because it's not, you know, you'd think it would be a strong man or something, but it is a, a very gentle, a gentle looking woman, you know, holding, holding a lion and gently petting its face. And and it's the strength of having the, the gentle, caring nature. It it essentially sees empathy as a strength being like, you could kill me, but I'm going to care for you. Yeah. I love that definition. That's great. Um, our question for our empathetic strengths is should is another one that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Should there be an umbrella term for the queer community or non-straight or non-cis folks? Uh, I mean, if people want to add a term, they can add a term. I, I think, like, it sounds cliche, but I think labels are kind of stupid. <laughs> and, I, and I've seen a lot of, especially back in my day online, people are obsessed with these micro labels and being like, I'm, I'm this sexual, I'm this romantic, I'm this, like, everyone is trying to pick apart their gender. And I think that for some people, if it clicks, it clicks. And that's cool. And that works for them. Um, but I think that people can get a little bit, to this is my group and that's your group when we start to over label everything right yeah so, you know when i talk about transness it's like this is just trans it's my experience as a trans person and if i there's some crossover between me and how you know for example an intersex person might be living then that's just a, that's just something that we two people have in common and i don't think that there needs to be an umbrella term for everything just because like well everyone's lived experiences are different in general I think it's important to highlight marginalized identities, but like, I don't know. It's like, just, it just whatever makes you comfortable, use that term because no matter, even just trans, I'm not going to have the same experiences. Like, you know, my, my white trans boy ass is not going to have the same experience as like a black trans woman. Right. So yeah. it's like, even under that umbrella, we can have two completely different lived experiences that have almost nothing in common with each other. You know, when I listen to how a lot of my trans women friends talk about how they discover the gender, it's so insanely different from how I discovered that I was trans, right? So I think that, you know, umbrella terms are useful, but we don't always need them. Sometimes it's just, how about you connect as a person? <laughs> because I think that in the future, we we wouldn't even worry about it. We wouldn't even think about sexuality. Like, it'd just be like, it'd be like having a, a dyeing your hair a color. Like no one's paying attention to that, right? Like your fashion. 
there's uh, there's a really great thing in in my linguistics textbook that said um gender is not something we are it's something we do and that's kind of how i see gender it's just something that we are doing and we could just not be doing it in the future it could just never in the future it could not be there anymore and and i think that we need to accept that i'm not a gender abolitionist i like my pronouns and i like having them but i do think that there is a level of performativity to gender that is just like in the end it's just pronouns <laughs> yeah yeah awesome i like the umbrella term is just it just means like not straight not cis and i like i understand the need for for it, but I also am like mad that not not mad. I don't know if mad's the right word, but I'm not pleased with the idea that we have to have a word to say we're not like you. Yeah, and and also like for, there's no shared experience between a cis gay man, a lesbian cis woman, a trans woman, a trans man, someone who's intersex, someone who is two spirit, someone who is you know, asexual, all of these things are, are so different in experience that we're not all going to have a shared, the only thing we have in common is that we're dealing with a marginalized identity that has to do with either our gender or our sexuality. Yeah. And that's pretty much the extent of it. Um, you know, it, it's like women, women deal with stuff, but they're not under the LGBT acronym, right? Because it's not, they're not dealing with uh, that type of marginalization, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that it's just like, I don't know. I, I, I Labels are for, uh, what's the hot topic shirt say? <laughs> labels are for soup cans. Yeah, something like that. Like it's just, <laughs> I, I, I think that there's a, you know, I think there's, it's nice to have labels when you realize that you're like, oh, that's me. I like having a thing that's me. But I think we're so worried about who's in what club. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, like I think they're useful for language for quick descriptions, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and I like that's what language is. That's why we have words. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like you think about bi bisexual and pansexual. Every single person I've asked this question for, both bi and pan, have given me very different reason, like answers. And fundamentally, they're kind of just the same thing, but it's all about what label makes the person feel more happy, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I like this label more than the other. And that's pretty much the extent of it. Yeah, like for me, there is a difference, but that's just because like I do perceive gender the way I do. So mm -hmm. for me, being bisexual is to be attracted to multiple genders in a different way. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I, um, or like just to see them as different genders, yeah. whereas pansexual is all, whereas like for me, I say pansexual because I'm just like, I like people, I'll take it. <laughs> and that's, that's like, again, it's like everyone's lived experience affects how they label themselves and how they identify mm -hmm. with labels in the same way that some people say transsexual and not transgender. It's just like, oh, that fits me more and I'm more comfortable with that label. Yeah, definitely. All right, our next card is the world. The world. All right, so what are neo-pronouns and why haven't they caught on? Okay, so neo-pronouns um, in my, there's actually, I think they were originated, there's a thing called Spivak pronouns. There's this mathematician named 
Michael? Michael Spivak? I think. I, have to look at I think it's Michael Spivak. But there's Spivak, Spivak program, pronouns. And he created, uh, he wasn't a linguist, but he was just using them in a textbook to use these gender neutral forms, which are, I think the original ones were A, M, and Air. And uh, there were, there was just, again, a lot of people were experimenting. Weirdly enough, in a lot of sci-fi novels, people are experimenting with, you know, Z and, and these ideas of let's create a new pronoun to be gender neutral. Um, let's create a third gender pronoun. Uh, a lot of people were experimenting in their textbooks because they just wanted to create a pronoun that was for everybody. Um, or they wanted to create like an alien species that only had one gender or something like that, right? Um, and I think they haven't caught on because pronouns, the way that pronouns historically have evolved in English is it has been a process of not addition, but sub subtraction. So we used to have about four different forms of you. So we had uh, thy, we had thee and thou, and then we had uh, you and ye. And now all of those are just you. <laughs> yeah. So if you had thou, it was, that was you individual. And then ye or you was you plural people. So you was actually originally the plural form of you. <laughs> yes. you, would, you would say thou or thee if you're talking about the person. Thou was, um, uh, thou, thou art beautiful. That was like you. And then if you were the subject and then thee was if you were the object. So I give it to thee. Uh, so there's subject, object, and then we had the same thing with ye and you. So subject, ye, I give it to ye, like ye, ye are whatever, and then you was like, I give it to you. So it's the same type of, of language rules of you had your subject, object, we don't have that anymore within those pronouns. Now we literally just use you, uh, which is very fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we have just, we, we keep taking away words. So English gets simplified by people removing stuff and just using a single term. And I think that when it comes to pronouns, they aren't particle words, I don't think. The particle words are, are they particle words? <laughs> I need to like study on this. But it's essentially words that don't, we don't tend to have new ones. So stuff like you and stuff like to, the, uh, right? Those types of words have kind of just been the same and we don't tend to have more of them. So I think that neopronouns haven't caught on for a lot of people just because historically we haven't really ever made a new pronoun it's been a, a a process of subtraction rather than addition we've always just simplified things and simplified things so we're like oh get rid of that we don't need that we don't need that. Hmm. um so i think that's why um people have been trying to like get new pronouns on since like the 70s there's been a lot of different versions um of different types of pronouns that pe people keep you know pushing for um and i know people that go by neo pronouns and uh, I think they're cool. I think that there's a, it, it is a little bit more difficult because it's not a word that people know. And when it comes to pronouns, those are like some of the first words we learn. And then we just use the same ones for our entire lives. Right. Yeah. So it's a little bit harder for people to put that into their, you know, vocabulary. Uh, but like other words, we learn new words every day and, and, you can use them. <laughs> but I think I think that it's just been harder to get people to catch on just because of the fact that that pronouns in the English language have only ever been subtracted and simplified rather than added to. Yeah.
Uh, I still think they're they're it's very cool, and I think that neo pronouns are fun. I, I think uh, most of the people I know who use neo pronouns tend to use them more online because it's easier to get people to use them in text based uh, environments. Uh, I always have to tell some of my friends who use neo pronouns because they'll they'll write it down. And I always am like, how do you pronounce that? <laughs> they never put a pronunciation guide, and I'm like, uh oh. Because for the longest time, I didn't know how because it's Z in here. And I did not know how that was. I was like, H-I-R, that just looks like her. How do I say this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was one that, that got me for a while, too. <laughs> so I think everyone who uses neo pronouns needs to also learn the phonetic alphabet so that they can write how and how to pronounce it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, now we have one spread left. Five more questions. Five more. Mm -hmm. All right. Say when. Do that now. When. <laughs> All right. So I have one card left because I messed up somehow. Well, there's 22 major. Oh, I, oh my gosh. I had a plan and I just didn't do it. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm just going to put the devil beside here. <laughs> just use the rest of them. <laughs> Sorry? But just use the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> We're not doing actual tarot readings here. I know. That's why I just put it beside it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like I was even like I was getting so caught up. Like oh no, I'm putting it in the wrong order. Not, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> what is Wes gonna judge me? Yeah, no, I'm not. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm glad. All right. So our card number one is the sun. The sun. Mm hmm. So it is represents material happiness. So I think the question is, what does it mean to pass? Oh, God. Um, I mean, passing is, is a, you know, it, it, for a lot of people, it's like a safety thing. Um, it just means that no one's going to look at you and be like, that's a trans person. That's pretty much all it is. You just essentially pass as the gender that you identify as in terms that people just assume that you're a cis uh, person. Uh, it doesn't mean people who are passing, like, uh, and are presenting as their, like, birth assigned gender. That's just being in the closet. Um, passing specifically means, like, I identify as this, and I, to most people in society, I just look like that, and no one bats an eye at me. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, it's, 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 it's a complicated thing because there's a level of, of privilege that you can get from from being a passing person because you don't have to deal with harassment a lot of the time uh you still deal with that it's usually just a bit more um uh interpersonal relationships rather than like street harassment yeah um, and it can be a lot of, it can be quite frustrating a lot of trans people their the goal is to pass i mean that used to be back in the day the goal was just like okay I'm going to go on hormones. I'm going to move to a place where no one knows me and I'm just going to pass and live my life and no one will know I'm trans. Like that was the goal for a lot of most people. 
Uh, and it's still the goal for some people now. It's just, it's a lot of people, they just want to, you know, not be visibly. I mean, I, even me, like, I don't, you know, I would love to be gendered correctly. <laughs> what a, that would be nice. Uh, but I think that it's, it's, it's healthy for people to, you know, realize that there's only so much they can do about how they look. And I think that, you know, it, it's also, it, I think that if it's a safety thing, I understand where people are coming from, but I think if you focus too much on passing, you can just make yourself like extremely depressed. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a similar relationship I have to passing where it's just like, for me, there's nothing that I can pass as. So I have to just uh, like a lot of non-binary people. You're right. Like there's nothing to pass for. Yeah, it's like the option is dress how I want because fuck them mm. or just dress as confusing as possible. So people have no choice but to they me. Yeah, like it's like uh, I know a lot of non-binary people just try to go like the full androgyny route of being like, okay, I need to look like both so that people will not know. Yeah. Uh, so it it is kind of a complicated term. I, I, usually, when people are talking about it in a safety way, like I get where they're coming from. I know a lot of people like kind of need to pass or else they will get assaulted on the streets. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so I get where people are coming from, uh, but it's just like I'm like. I only just want my pronouns to be used by strangers sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and that's like like a form of like gender euphoria, and that's totally worth a rush. Yeah, it's, just, it's nice getting validated every once in a while, but it's not, you know, my life's not ruined if if I don't, you know, look a certain way. When I started hormones, you know, my doctor was saying like, okay, now just so you know, like this isn't like a fix-all. You're not going to just look you know, you still have your biology and, and sometimes hormones make you look a certain way. And I come from a long line of very like effeminate looking men who don't have a lot of facial hair. So it's like, okay, well, I'm probably not going to look like, you know, Mr. Like extremely cis dude. I'm just going to look like me, but my voice is going to get lower. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like, I know if I were to take tea, I would probably get very fluffy. <laughs> Well, you're Italian, so. Yeah, and my dad's, like, family's really hairy, too. So it's just, like, I would just lose. Yeah, I'm from a very not hairy family. <laughs> Both sides of my family are hairy. I currently have blonde leg hair that I haven't shaved in, like, three years, and you cannot tell. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> All right, so... Our next card is the lovers. Ooh. Mm -hmm. So it's another one that explains itself. Do you want to do this definition? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the lovers is it can be read a couple different ways. Um, I don't always see it as such a positive card. It's the joining of, of two people, but it can also mean a little a little bit of codependency. So that can be a problem in that area too. The lovers tend to be quite focused on each other rather than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, so while it is a good card if you're looking for like the love reading um it can be a little bit of a you know you're hyper focusing on another person kind of card um, yeah. but overall it's it's love and romance and infatuation mm -hmm. and trials to overcome yeah it's just like there's this new event that's happening between you and another person yeah awesome i i i love the lovers card because it's more than just like you're gonna get some <laughs> yeah two love like i think the two of cups is probably a better card to get for a romance rating rather yeah. than 
Or um, the Three of Swords is a good one too. Three of Wait, Swords? It's the polyamory card. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's become one of my favorites, so I placed it on the thing, it's the display, because I was talking about it recently, and the person I was talking about is gonna watch the video and is gonna go, huh, and now I'm talking about it on the video, so it's gonna be less funny. I mean, I thought I thought the Three of Swords is like a heartbreak card, ain't it? <laughs> um, it's 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 one of those like like it has um, it has many. Uh, oh gosh, I just did this. I, it it has it has multiple um things. It's not just heartbreak, but it's um, it's like different opportunities and alternate love. Mm, that must it's be the reverse I, form. Okay, I call it the Paula Amory card because I got it when I did I did a lovers reading the other day. Yeah. And I got it for um, the question. Oh, okay. So I it was, for that placement, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a very suitable thing. And then because it has like the three swords and I was just like, like because of my situation and I was just like, wow, it's me. <laughs> I love when that happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> the lover's question. All right, so what is the difference between gender identity and sexuality, and why are they often grouped together? Um, I, I think because gender and sex is so, you know, ingrained in our heads. It's like, oh, men, men are with women, and women, women are with men, and that's just how it is. So that when most trans people, when they come out, everyone kind of immediately assumes that they must also be, like, a straight person in terms of the fact that they must be attracted to their... Uh, the the opposite gender within their trans identity, but like the same sex relationship, and they think that it's like, oh, this is them just trying to validate like a heteronormative thing, which is completely you know incorrect, just due to the fact that there's a lot of gay trans people out there, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that I think just because we're so obsessed with biology and the, the concept of sex is just to reproduce, which like it is, but you know people do it for fun all the time and that doesn't really have anything to do with it we just naturally are inclined to you know sex is a thing that happens in our species i think people just they heteronormativity is like deep ingrained in everyone's heads like i to this day despite the fact that i look the way that i look and i act the way that i act like i constantly get hit on by women you know uh, just assuming that everyone just must assume that I must be into women and it's just never been a thing in my life really and but it's like people are like oh you're trans you must also be like bi or something that's another weird thing people will assume that if you're trans you just automatically must be okay with everything which is not true we're attracted to what we're attracted to and that has really has nothing to do with our gender identity mm -hmm. like it's it's uh it, it's complicated. I, I think that sexuality, a lot of people come into their sexuality after they come out just because a lot of people, you know, again, like when I, I've been attracted to men my whole life, but it's just like I spent a lot of my life not being comfortable with that attraction because it didn't feel right. And then once I came out as trans, it was like, okay, I, I like men. I just like men when I am also a man and I don't have to think about a heterosexual relationship. Like I get more uncomfortable being mistaken for my boyfriend's girlfriend than if any other regular like misgendering like yeah. other regular misgendering like whatever like but when i'm mistaken for a woman in a heterosexual relationship it's why i get so frustrated when people are like oh i saw a straight couple at pride and i'm like you don't know what 
either of those people identifies as, so just shut up. <laughs> yeah. Because I think about it and I'm like, I've probably been that person who just, I'm like sitting here in my like gay trans relationship and people just assume that this is like a, a heterosexual couple. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking frustrates me. Yeah, it's something I've been frustrated um, by as well. Just like, like whenever I'm in a relationship with someone who passes as a man or presents as a man, I just like am immediately looked at as the girlfriend. I'm immediately in a like a cishet relationship, and it's so like as you said, it's so uncomfortable because it's just like it's like a double whammy of just like neither of your assumptions are right. Yeah, and it's like even even with like cis bi people, it's like if they're in a, a hetero relationship, it's like their identity is almost like completely erased, and they don't feel like they're allowed to, you know, express themselves when they're in like a a, a monogamous relationship, essentially. Hmm. Yeah, I, I know so many people who have come out to me as like pan or bi but they're in a straight passing relationship that they feel will just be their like monogamous end all. So they don't feel the need to come out and like come out. Like not only do we need more, like, like the representation needs to be there. Other people need to know it's okay. Even if you coming out doesn't affect your life, it might impact someone else's. Yeah. I think it's really important. And I think it's important to like, you know, not I've seen like other people who are in, within the LGBT community just being like, oh, like they're just saying that they're bi for like whatever when they're in a head relationship. And I'm like, shut up. Like you don't know their shit and you're not their friend and you're not their mom. So like, what are you on about? Also, why does it really matter? It's just this unnecessary gatekeeping. Yeah. I also like, I just, I don't care who people are attracted to like it just does not matter to me and I've never cared I don't care who like it's just like if someone says that they're bi I'm just like okay I assume I I just assume they're bi like it's like I don't I've seen a lot of people kind of aggressively trying to like you have to you have to hit mark a b and c in order to qualify as this and it's just like what like it's in some areas I get it but when it comes to like someone trying to like you know figure out their sexuality it's just like just you don't know their life and also you shouldn't have is a single gay person no longer gay because he's not dating someone Mm -hmm. right like it's just like you shouldn't have to validate your sexuality by like performing in a relationship really it's weird it's like no yeah absolutely Okay, so now we are we have the magician. 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 Do you want to do this definition? Uh, yeah, the magician. Uh, he's. Uh, I-, I like the magician. He's a little bit of a uh, has the mystique to him, and it usually means that there's a little bit of hidden uh, trickery going on. Uh, so, but he does represent a level of mystique and. Uh, disillusion that can be quite fantastical and uh, fun sometimes, but can also be quite dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that being said, what is something that caught you off guard or that you didn't expect to interact or occur in regard to your transition? Like what's something that just, what's what's a surprise experience you had that you weren't expecting? 
Um, let's see. I mean, all my hormone stuff was like they told me it was gonna happen, so I wasn't really surprised. Um, that surprised me. Um, the amount of of cis dudes that are are very chill about trans dudes. Like, I have so many cis, a lot of straight, like male friends. Uh, in fact, like I was afraid as you know when I was not presenting as a man. I didn't actually have any, I'm going to say any, like barely, no, I had a couple, but like barely any cis male friends. Right. And after I came out, like I was worried that I wouldn't fit in in male spaces. And, you know, I, I gained so many like cis male friendships that were, many of them were straight men or I, or I don't know. I don't ask people about their sexuality. So I have so many friends who I literally don't know their sexuality because I've never asked because I don't care. <laughs> but it's like, I, I've, I have a lot of male friends that I, I have very nice, close, you know, caring, loving friendships with. And I think that people would be surprised um, to find out that yes, men, men can have like nice, wholesome relationships. Because uh, I feel like a lot of people don't seem to think that that can happen. Uh, yeah. So I think I think that was probably the most shocking is going from a place where I had almost no male friends, uh, it going into you know second year university, and I started making a couple of male friends, and this is when I was out as gender queer, and then you know being being a trans dude and, and suddenly gaining a lot of the support from trans men, not not just trans men, but like cis men too was like uh, it was nice it was like a, a very nice experience and and you know i've had so many wonderful validating moments with with my male friends that's amazing i um like even though i know you have these friends i'm still like surprised i'm like oh wow <laughs> I like simply know these people and i'm still surprised by them <laughs> yeah i mean i have a, i think it's like i think it's why i'm like I'm a step away from being that not all men kind of person because I, I have so many good male friendships, you know, as a trans dude. And, and I, and sometimes when I see people making these like fuck men posts, like I do, I, I feel a little twinge of like, no, <laughs> is that true? Yeah. But, like I get where they're coming from. Yeah. Like I say my, my like all guys suck and like shit like that, but I, I know hashtag not all men. <laughs> yeah like it's like I, I think there's a level of criticizing socialized masculinity versus just saying like all men be like this yeah it's like, like I could use all of the words to like explain how too many men fall into this category and display mm -hmm. this array and or I can just be like ah oh, man men <laughs> and sometimes it's all I have time for <laughs> <laughs> all right so our next card is Temperance. Temperance. So um, accommodation, moderation, frugality. Yeah, so, um, so um, focusing on the moderation aspect, what would you, how would you describe the difference between cross-dressing, drag, and being trans? Um, well, I mean, two of those is just fashion, right? So it, clothing, 
has nothing to do with gender. It, it does to an extent in terms of we socialized a lot of different clothing to be uh, assigned to certain genders, but even that is, is you know, that gap is slowly closing. Um, I would just say like transness has nothing to do with your clothes. It has nothing to do with, with your features. It has nothing to do with your hair or your hormones or anything. It just has to do with how you like to be identified as. Um, and some people use clothes to create context clues, but I know a lot of, you know, trans women, lesbians that just wear the same shit that I wear. And it's just like jeans and a t-shirt and all day. Um, and I know many trans dudes that wear makeup and, and, you know, like to be effeminate me, but mm. like, um, it, yeah, like I just say that clothes, clothes has nothing to do with gender. And I think people need to kind of realize that cross-dressing is just, you know, it, it's like playing pretend it's LARPing as another gender. And then when you take that off, you know, thing with drag, when you take off the drag, if you are a man underneath, then you are a man after you take off the drag. And if you're a woman, after you take off the drag, then you're a woman. And, and drag is, is it's, you know, it's, it's, it's clownery. You are putting on a performance of a character, of a caricature of womanhood, of a caricature of manhood or somewhere in between. And it's not, it's, it's not who you are. It's a performance. And then you take off the makeup and then you're whoever you are underneath. Yeah. Awesome. Yep, I I agree. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, it's very very good. A plus. <laughs> all right, our next card is the oh gosh. Okay, so this is one I've literally every time I've ever done a reading for someone and I've gotten it, I've just been like, ah yes, number five. <laughs> <laughs> I've. I'm gonna. I'm going to say it out loud for the first time in my probable adult life, if not right. entire life. Hierophant. 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 The hierophant. I think. Hierophant. I, I always said it that way. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, the hierophant. <laughs> so it's it's the commitment card. Yeah. So um, I, um, in regards to transition, what is the difference between a social transition, a legal transition, and a medical transition? Okay, uh, social transition is the probably the easiest one. That's just saying, hey, everybody, I'm going by this name and these pronouns now. Please refer to me as such. And uh, you can... Uh, you know, that's when you start dressing a certain way if you want to dress a certain way and you usually tell your friends and, and your coworkers or whoever. Um, what was the second one? <laughs> uh, legal. Legal. Okay. Legal is just the, the boring stuff. That's changing your name, changing your gender. Um, I've only done one of those things just because gender is on literally none of my ID. So I have not cared enough to get my, my legal sex changed because uh, it's not I got it changed in my passport because I asked them to. I was like, hey, can you do this? They're like, yeah. I was like, that was easy shit. <laughs> um, I changed my name because that was more important to me. Um, and uh, it's a it's easy as shit in Canada. I know it's a lot harder in, in the States. Uh, people like, and I don't know if it's in every state because every state is, has different laws, but I, I'll see my friends being like, I have to go to court to get my name legally changed. And I was like, what? Like crazy shit. And I'm just like, I just sent in some papers and then they mailed me back a birth certificate and I never thought about it ever again, right? Yeah. 
Uh, so I'm, I'm very lucky to live in the country that I live in where they were just like, okay, sure. Like I didn't have to write an essay. I didn't have to talk to anybody. I was like, I am trans. I'm changing my name. And they're like, okay. Um, and then a medical one is a little, probably the, the hardest. Um, that's when you do hormonal, uh, transition. That's when you get surgeries, uh, gender affirming surgeries previously known as your sex change operation, which is incorrect, but is very fun to say. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting my sex change like as if it's a tire. That's <laughs> um, so it's like people will go through like different types of surgery, both either you can get uh, facial surgery. Um, a lot of trans women get uh, facial feminization surgery, so that cuts down a lot of bone there. You can either get breasts given or removed, and then there's bottom surgery, which is the most intense of them. And I know most, uh, mo almost all my trans friends do not have this surgery because it's 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 hard and it's also very expensive <laughs> yeah and it's also the part of your body that the least amount of people see so i i it's usually it's on the back burner for me i know for other people it's not but it you it, it, it tends to be like the last on the list of shit to get done yeah i think that would depend on what someone's focus is just because like i know i have a friend who like like her main focus is she just wants it gone yeah, it. it's her least favorite thing about yeah. herself. Like everything else, she's just like, I can cope with, I can deal with it, but I just want this to go away. Yeah, it, it, that that definitely has more to do with like um, how, your mental dysphoria because it's like oh, yeah. that's just like it's entirely between you and yourself, and it's just like I hate this, and I, only I see this, and yet I I hate it. I think that's one of the weirdest things about about transness is certain things that like literally no one else is noticing about you that you notice and you care about and and it, and it is distressing i think that's one of the more frustrating things is being like why do i care about this no one else notices this but i care yeah and and that is definitely just like a part of dysphoria and even like body dysmorphia uh, yeah. which is um um we we discussed it a few episodes ago um with um joelle uh we were discussing the difference between dysmorphia and dysphoria and how a lot of the time for trans people they can go hand in hand yeah it's 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 very rare that you will because dysphoria, it's like, you're not going to be like, well, I look great, but I'm very dysphoric. Like, it's like, you will feel ugly as well as feeling very gender dysphoric, right? So yeah. the, it, it is a very tight locked, uh, you know, Venn diagram of, of issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So we have one question left. One more question. The devil. The devil, my favorite boy. Mm -hmm. All right. So focusing on the extraordinary efforts and force of the devil. How do gendered languages such as Spanish work for people who don't identify as masculine or feminine? Well, that's um, that is a tricky thing that's been going on. Um, I know for Spanish speakers, people have started using uh, X as I think I said X, and you just use that as the ending of a of the word, because in, in, in romance-based languages such as, like, you'll have stuff like French and Italian uh, and Spanish, uh, and um, like, I have a friend who's Italian and also non-binary, and I'm always like, how do you work with that? And they're like, ah, I just learned English. <laughs> like, oh, of course. Um, but people have been trying to have different uh, 
interpretations uh, within their language. It's very tricky though, because uh, romance-based languages, they gender literally everything. So if you're talking about, like in Spanish, I know if you're talking about your neighbor, you will clarify if it is your neighbora or your, uh, ne- uh, what is it, neighboro? I, I can't remember, I took Spanish for like one year. But um, you'll have like, well, professor, professora, professor, right? You'll have all these different male professor, female professor, male neighbor, female neighbor. So it is, uh, people have been using X and I know in Spanish, so you'll have people say Latinx um, or, you know, other words that just say like a professor, I think would be professorix, uh, which sounds very cool. Um, <laughs> but I know that uh, different people have been trying different things. I know X right now is the, uh, it might be said a different way. I'm just reading it as X because it's online. People need to learn the phonetic alphabet, I swear to God. (laughs) Uh, But I know that uh, there's a thing in French that was like, um, there's il and l, and people have been using like lil, uh, uh, or what was it? It was like ale or something. There's all these different types of like gender neutral forms, but it's a little bit more tough because those gender is so heavily, um, you know, ingrained in in their language. And, And that's kind of, why language and gender is so, you know, tight knit is because, you know, language affects how we see gender. It affects how we interact with it. And it's why that, you know, in English, we have certain things around gender that, you know, someone who's living in, uh, you know, France would not have the same understanding because someone who's a natural French speaker or even someone who is, you know, Japanese speaker would have a different understanding of, of gender. Uh, Cause it's, it's all just, we, we use words to uh, clarify the things that we see in life and everyone describes things in different ways. It, you can see that in the fact that there's, you know, different colors are said, you know, you'll, you'll see different words or different colors. We clarify the difference between pink and red, but in other languages, they don't do that at all. Right. So down to all these other things, it just depends on how hard you're looking at something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I always found the color thing so interesting when I found out, like, just, like, for some people, light blue is a completely different color, and for some people, blue is Russian. Uh, In Japanese, blue and green was the same word for a really long time until they they clarified the difference between the two. Oh, yeah, that's Uh, why we have, like, I think it was like that for us, too, because, like, that's why we have, like, the green sea. Yes, yes, the the blue actually was one of the last colors that we had a word for. Uh, We originally, in... uh, in written language all over the world, the first colors that we actually had words for were black, white, and red. Uh, red, obviously, because blood, and like we had to have a coordination with with that as a danger symbol. Um, but everything else was like white sky, dark sea. Like it was just light, dark, red. Yeah. And then we started clarifying more colors. Uh, I think we had uh, green next. Uh, but blue was one of the last ones because it wasn't like important enough. There was not anything in life that made us... Uh, have to be like clarify that it was blue so it was only when we started thinking about other things that we started being like I guess we'll have a word for that too but it was one of the last colors that even though we've had the same eyes as homo sapiens we've had the exact same eyes the exact same features and we have perceived the world the exact same way the way that we describe it has been drastically different uh throughout the years of us being around so I think that you know naturally obviously our understanding of gender is going to change just because it, it was weirdly easier to be a trans dude back in the day, because if you just wore men's clothing, people are like, oh, okay, man, because they, they wouldn't even fathom 
that a woman would wear that. Yeah. So it was it somehow gender rules made it a little bit easier for some trans people. <laughs> Interesting. All right, so those are our um, set of questions. Do you have any facts or interesting things about <laughs> linguistics or gender that we haven't touched on? Um, yes, um, I will say that a lot of people, I was saying at the beginning uh, that I was talking about the concept of birth sex and the idea of having a birth sex. And those things, we have traits and those traits are wordless. And I think that people will still say stuff like, oh, well, you're biologically female. But it's like, that is just the word that you've used to clarify a group of average features that someone has. But mm -hmm. that doesn't mean female. That just means that someone has that trait. And the word for that could change overnight. Yeah. Uh, so I think that people need to start realizing that a lot of what we understand about gender and sex is just purely based on us categorizing stuff into words. And it is natural for those words to evolve and include more people. So if someone says, I am a trans male, I remember I had someone getting, they were like, oh, well, male means this and, and you're still female. You're just, and I, it was someone who I was friends with. And I was like, no, I mean, female is so tied in with the idea of woman. You can't separate that anymore. You can't say, oh, well, you're a man, but you're female. It's just those words don't mean what you are saying they mean. And it's just a little bit silly to, to say that way. But it's, it's not lying about your biology to say that you're something else. It's just a word that yeah. is describing a trait. And the thing is, science is wordless. Science is just facts that we have, just, we have to put words onto. But it doesn't mean anything. The word, you know, grammar changes and, and words change. It's like, it's normal. And I think that if, you know, we're going to get anywhere in life, you can either be a baby and cry every time words change or just accept the fact that language naturally just keeps going forward. And like, look at old English, go read Beowulf and then complain to me about how language is changing. Like, that's the same language. That's English. You know, and you know, you so many kids complain about how they can't understand Shakespeare in high school, and I'm like, well, that's English too, like, yeah. and that's not even technically that long ago in human history. So, language naturally changes, and I think it's like our job to change with it and to ever make a fuss about it. It's just like, you know, you're you're just going to be left behind in the dust. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We have to grow and never stop learning because the world keeps moving. It doesn't end when we're 18. Yeah. And it's like the world's not going to stop. Like you're just going to get more confused. You know, you're going to be that old person who never picked up a computer and now it's too late for them. <laughs> yeah. Learn while, learn while it's new or else you're going to be more confused in two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the information's there. It's easily accessible. We yeah, just scared a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing the access of information that we have nowadays. Like you can look up anything. Like I, I know more, we know more shit about everything by not going to school than like any human ever has. Like even I think about it, I'm like, if I wanted to know a fact about like rhinoceroses, I can just Google it and learn it in two seconds. Back in the day, you'd have to go to the library 
hope that they had a book on that species of animal that you would never seen in your entire life. And it's just like, maybe they'll have a bad art of it. That's not accurate. Like, it's just like, we have so much access to information and people keep refusing to, to use it. Yeah. They'd rather like use more time, just like paint, playing bingo blitz and like, <laughs> no offense to bingo blitz, but <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Turn your phone off and open your another thing on your phone and you know, read read some articles. It's fun. Yeah. Learning is fun. I, I love learning about other stuff because I'm like I'm fascinated by how other people live their lives. I think it's important to to want to know how other people live their lives because it's like otherwise you're just gonna be a jackass who thinks everyone lives like you. And it's like that's just that's just not a fact. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there was um, there was a play I was in a few years ago. I was I was a spirit guide, and I had a line that was "Never stop learning." That's what a true explorer does. Ah. I love that line so much because <laughs> it's good. like like everyone you have to be life's explorer, and I just like it just stuck with me. Yeah, I mean that's a good that's a good motto. It's it's you know, it's good to be curious. I think that the most like ignorant people in the world are ignorant because they just don't care about how another person might be living their life yeah for me, it's like you got to be the opposite of a bigot you got to be so fascinated by everyone that you just are like wow that's so cool that you live that way and that you you know identify that way and that you uh you know uh present yourself and express yourself that way because it's like in the end like I, if someone is expressing themselves in a way that i find different or a way that i've never you know seen before you know, it's like, who cares? Like, that's, it's cool. It's cool that someone can express themselves in a way that is different. Cause like, otherwise life would be very boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have, we have to be multiple shades, not just black and white. Yeah. Although I only dress in black and white. But... <laughs> yeah. You have different shades of black though. <laughs> yeah. I have grays in there somewhere. <laughs> Exactly. And you have that one shirt that's black and white and has a red heart on it. Yeah, my friend gave that to me. <laughs> it's your color pop. I love it. I do like red. Yeah, that's my one color. I, I stuck with the basics. Red, black, and white. What else do you need? <laughs> All right. So do we have anything else to add or shall we call this a show? I think this is a good... It's, oh, God, two in, two in a two and a quarter hours. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end it. All right, everyone. Um, this has been Serious and Sober with Wes Cunningham Kloss. Uh, thank you everyone so much for tuning in, whether you've been here the whole time, tune out, or you're watching it a week from now. You're amazing. <laughs> and I love that you are taking the time to learn whether or not all this information is completely new to you. It's still amazing that you're reaching out for it. I see and appreciate you. And if you want to enjoy more Serious and Sober, follow Ray Lockdust Comedy and I will continue posting these videos until the world runs out of issues to be serious about. <laughs> Thank you all so much and have a great night.